Happy Easter, everybody. This is Encuentro. Let's begin with the prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Well, it is Easter Sunday. Um... Lent is over, and you know now we have the next couple of weeks of uh, of Easter uh, ahead of us. Um, joyful, glorious season. Uh, I apologize for not being able to upload anything on uh, on Holy Saturday. Uh, I wasn't feeling very well uh, the whole day yesterday, um, but it was good. You know, it was it was quiet. I certainly hope that you guys had a you know, uh, a quiet, restful, and prayerful Holy Saturday as well, uh, preparing for uh, for Easter Sunday. Uh, our Gospel reading for, for today is taken from the uh, Gospel of John, uh, chapter 20, verses 1 to 9. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, so we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial clothes there, but did not go in. Simon Peter arrived after him. He went into the tomb and saw the burial clothes there, and the cloth that had covered Jesus' head, not with the burial clothes, but rolled up in a separate place. And the other disciple also went in, and the one who had arrived at the tomb first. And he saw, and he believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture (coughs) that he had to rise from the dead. There's this story that's told... um, it's apocryphal, I'm pretty sure, uh, about uh, the young Harry Houdini, you know, the great escape artist, who, uh, during one of his routines, uh, failed to open the door to his prison cell, which had been locked, in spite of the fact that the door uh, was not even really bolted. Uh, apparently, uh, Houdini had become so convinced that it was, in fact, locked that none of the tiny picks that he had designed and, and uh, kept in the fold of his clothes seemed to, to work. So he kept trying and trying and trying. And eventually he was so exhausted at having tried every trick that he knew uh, that he just collapsed, exhausted, you know, he just collapsed against the cell door. And as he collapsed on the cell door, uh, it just swung open because it wasn't locked in the first place. It was only locked in Houdini's mind. He thought it was locked. 
Haven't we all from time to time found ourselves in a similar situation, you know, trapped in prison cells whose doors aren't really bolted, but they appear to be so. At least we've convinced ourselves that they are, you know, in our, in our hearts and in our minds. It could be because of something we've kept hidden deep inside of us, you know, something that has brought us sorrow or heartbreak in the past and, and has stifled our souls and chained us to feelings of bitterness or anger or, or even fear, you know. Or it, it may be a deficiency in ourselves, whether physical, emotional, intellectual, that, ha, you know, that has made us uh, unable to believe enough in ourselves uh, in order that we may experience life to, to the full. Uh, Abraham Maslow, uh, he's a 20th century psychologist, you know, he once said that when it comes to being able to, to embrace and celebrate life, you know, all of life, you know, everything that life can offer, both the, the good and the difficult, you know, a person must be able to bridge the distance between merely desiring okay, to eliminate the deficiencies in his or her life to actually being motivated by an by an open-ended desire to, to experience life to the full. So you can't get to point B, which is experiencing life to the full, okay, without first uh, going through step A. And step A is um, doing your best or our best or one's best to to desire to uh, to be rid, if at all possible, and gradually, you know, of of our deficiencies, of our baggage in life. And according to Maslow, uh, we really cannot achieve uh, the latter goal, the fullness of life, which is what he considers the ideal, without being able to adequately address the former first. You know. Uh, rid ourselves of eliminate from ourselves the the things that hinder us that prevent us that chain us if you will um, those of us who are weighed down by enormous baggage you know whatever form this baggage might take you know, we'll find ourselves hindered from opening our hearts to the great possibilities of life you know, otherwise there will always be worry and fear and anxiety. And, and these are the greatest enemies of a full human life. Now, Easter, of course, is not the mere celebration of earthly life, you know, but uh, no matter how glorious and full this earthly life uh, might be, you know, in the way we conceive it, the life of Jesus risen from the dead offers... That life is, is infinitely larger than an earthly existence. Because what he now offers, you know, and what we today celebrate is, is the fullness of life itself. Everlasting life, you know, everlasting joy, endless peace, uh, overflowing abundance. Um, the conquest of death by Jesus has forever opened the gates of eternal life. Life forever. Life eternal life in its fullness that's what we celebrate and yet accepting that offer that jesus makes you know desi deciding deciding to take the path that leads to everlasting life you know and choosing to enter the gates that he has opened for us 
uh, requires uh, that we free ourselves first or that we be freed from, from, from the chains that, that bind us, you know, and the prisons that uh, hinder us, uh, that prevent us from uh, experiencing the fullness of life. You see, the, the fullness of earthly life isn't, isn't disconnected from the eternal life offered by Jesus. You know, no matter how limited earthly life uh, might be compared to, you know, eternal life. Nor are the eternal joys made possible by this conquest of death completely different or detached or separated from the joys of, of our earthly journey. Well, the fact is, yes, God wants us to be happy with Him forever, but God also wants us to be happy here. In this world. Here and now. You know? Uh, just as He wants us to be happy with Him for all eternity. You know? Um, Pope Francis never seems to tire of reminding us, you know, that, that misery is not the lot of a follower of Jesus. You know, not later on in heaven, but certainly not here on earth either you know life is never going to be perfect earthly life is never going to be perfect but our lot as disciples remains that of joy easter joy and so uh, allow me to share a story unlike the houdini story this one isn't apocryphal uh, of a person uh, who with jesus and because of him you know experienced what it means to be freed from the chains, you know, uh, that have bound them to, to grief, to worry, anxiety, fear, and the inability to embrace and celebrate life in its fullness, you know. Uh, she's a person who, in her own words, you know, uh, many years ago, uh, has come to know what Easter joy means, you know, uh, and that it is a foretaste of eternity, in the here and now, you know. Um, so a few years ago, I, I had the chance to uh, to journey with uh, this young woman. And by the way, you know, when I do tell these stories, um, I, I do ask their permission. You know, people I have encountered, uh, friends that I've made. Uh, and if they say no, then that, that's fine. I mean, of course, I never reveal their names. But... Um, these are individuals who I have journeyed with, whom I have helped, uh, uh, some of whom have become good and close friends. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I do ask them uh, if I could use sort of the outlines of their story, you know, in order to help other people. And, and she would always tell me, go ahead, Father, uh, if, it's, if it's going to help, you know, uh, if it's going to help, you can you can you can tell my story. You can use my story. You don't even have to ask my permission, but I did. You know. So anyway, uh, she was married to a, a very good young man. You know, they were both young when they got married, and they were very much in love. You know, at some point though, uh, things began to change. She became very jealous. You know, controlling, uh, disparaging, and at times even violent towards him. And they had a child. Uh, but after a couple of years of marriage, you know, they ended up separating and, and, and getting a church annulment. A few years later, she married her second husband, you know, another good man who, who loved her very much. And, and uh, who loved uh, 
her child, you know, from her first marriage. Okay? Uh, they had uh, they had two more two more children. You know, after a number of years, though, uh, her jealousy and her controlling behavior resurfaced. You know, and uh, the constant put downs her uh, husband, her second husband, uh, had to go through began to to cause a great strain on their marriage. You know. Um, not to mention the fact that once in a while, as, as he told me, you know, she, she would get like physically violent. This time, though, she she began noticing a pattern, you know, and because she has now, you know, several kids, uh, and did in fact love her husband, she she decided to to seek advice, as well as you know spiritual uh, and emotional guidance. You know, so she came to me saying, "Father, I, I love my family. I I don't want to fail again." I've, I've failed miserably the first time and uh, she says I, I, I'm still reeling from that from time to time uh, I don't know what to do I simply don't understand what's going on inside me so uh, please help me if you can um, so I contacted a friend uh, who's a family counselor and sent her to him and meanwhile she she would come and talk to me about her family her faith her struggles you know uh, and the progress of her uh, counseling sessions. At one point, she she disclosed uh, that as a child, you know, her mother had been physically and verbally abusive to her, and for some reason, she found it very hard not only to forgive her mom but but to move on. You know, she she just didn't know how. She just swept it under the rug, figured that eventually it would just fade. Now, several summers ago, you know, this was again. It was two decades ago. She had the chance to visit uh, with her grandmother's sister, who was still quite alive. You know, uh, she decided she wanted to talk more about her family. You know, their history. It was then that she learned that uh, her grandmother too uh, suffered the same fate uh, as her great grandmother, and the abuse she experienced from her mom. You know, the, f- the physical and verbal abuse. It was the same abuse that her mom, in turn, suffered from her grandmother. So, uh, at one point, she even said to me, is, is, is this one of those generational curses, Father? Um, it's a vicious cycle. You know? But she also said that for the first time, she understood where, where her mother was coming from and had a glimpse of what she was going through. You know, the reasons for it, the possible reasons for it. You know? And she says, you know, I still have a lot of work to do uh, to be able to, to forgive my mom fully and then to move on. But she says that out. now I have some light. I know why it happened to her. And I know why it's happened to me. Huh? It runs in the family. And she says that that was, that was, a, that was a shock. And it was very difficult to accept. But then she says, but I've decided, I've decided, it won't happen to my daughters. Not in my family, she says. The pain stops with me. The pain stops with me. You know, often in our meditation on the suffering and death of Jesus, you know, our minds focus on God's immense love for us. And and that is good. That is true. That is... You know, that is what 
the image of Jesus offering his life on the cross truly means, you know, God's love for us. But we mustn't forget that the image of Jesus on the cross is, is also telling us something more. You know, the, the suffering and death of Jesus uh, is on, isn't only a reminder of God's love. Um, it's also a terrible thing. You know? Um, it's a profound appeal in that regard. Uh, what kind of appeal? That, that we shouldn't let it happen again and again and again. It is an injustice. What happened to Jesus, okay, from the perspective of humanity, was a terrible injustice. And it mustn't be allowed to continue. Huh? The cross shows us not only God's love, it is also an appeal to our love that we need to put an end to each other's suffering if we can. You know, say no more to the cycle of pain, of violence, of injustice, you know, so we can ease one another's burdens. The pain stops with me, she said. You know, with, with that resolution, with that decision that she made, this wounded, this poor broken woman, this abused daughter, this wife, you know, this mother seeking healing and wholeness, who had for so long been imprisoned by the wounds of her past, finally had her own Easter, you know, like Jesus. She escaped her tomb. You know, the day she resolved that her pain would not be visited upon her children was her Easter Sunday. It was her resurrection day. You know, the day when she finally burst forth from the prison that had kept her locked up and, and frozen and suffering and, and sadly inflicting the same pain and suffering on others. You know, today she's a very happy wife and mother. Kids are grown up now, of course. You know, I spent a couple hours with her family. Well, it was just more than a decade ago, you know. And I've never seen a happier couple, a happier family, you know. To her children, she, she was the kindest mom. And to her husband, you know, she... She was the gentlest person. Easter is possible. We can be freed from our chains, from our tombs. As I was, I was there at their house, I, as I sat there watching her interaction with her, you know, their children, I couldn't help but, but think to myself, you know, as I was watching them, if only these kids knew the pain that their mother had to go through, and, you know, the noble and the most amazing decision that she, she made not to visit upon her children her own pain. You know, how fortunate they are, you know. What a bunch of fortunate kids. You know, we all have our tombs and prisons that lock us in. You know, chains that... that uh, that hinder us from the fullness of life. You know, perhaps it's a prison of anger or resent, resentment or addiction or abuse, depression, 
failure, disappointment, or maybe a physical weakness that we bear, you know. Perhaps it's a tomb of powerlessness because someone we love is ill or uh, wasting their life. Our, our tomb could be grief over the loss of someone we love or, you know, the loss of, you know, a dream. Huh? And sometimes the pain feels like it, it would never go away. Huh? Possibly our, our prison, our tomb is, is loneliness, you know. It's like a thirst that can't seem to be quenched. You know, on this day, when Jesus birth, uh, burst forth from, from that tomb that had kept him for three days and three nights, we too find the fulfillment of our hope. That we too can leave behind the many tombs and prisons that have kept us locked in. That we can break those chains that have hindered us from, from realizing ourselves fully. You know, in Christ was risen from the dead. The dead. There's no tomb that can contain us, you know. In Him who is risen, we, we can escape anything. Even the deepest, darkest, and most painful prisons life has imposed on us. On Easter Sunday, Jesus has forever broken the chains of death, despair and, and entrapment. You know? Freed from his own tomb, he, he now commands us to come forth and, and leave our own tombs. He has risen to set us free. You know, he wants us to know that his power is greater than a weakness and despair. His love is greater than any frustration. His light greater than our darkness. And his promise is greater than our pain. And that the life he offers us is greater than death itself. And because of that, we are able to embrace the fullness of life, you know, uh, that he offers here and now, you know. And then later on with him you know, in our heavenly home. This Easter, Jesus, who is risen, in, invites each one of us to, to consider what tombs, what prisons still hold us back. What chains hinder us from, from living our life to the full? And he calls on each one of us to trust that he can set us free if we let him. Because his resurrection is our resurrection. His victory is our victory. And his Easter is our Easter. And so with St. Paul, you know, we can say with all confidence, with Christ, I can do anything. And with the risen Jesus himself, you know, we can proclaim, I have conquered the world. <laughs>